Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. So Lauren, I have, I have a, a great idea for our podcast today. I can only imagine, given that we're both recording from home on Zoom. We're recording from home on Zoom, so um, I can only see my screen and you can only see yours, but uh, I, it, it would be great if we could have a mystery guest, like just somehow appear and um, someone we could talk to, who, right, you know, someone from the, a younger generation who may have better ideas than, than our generation. I'm guessing you're not talking about your dog who's been coming in and out of your room for the last 15 years. I'm not. And for the sake of this podcast, I hope the dog will stay out. Well, I am so glad that you suggested a mystery guest because she just sort of wandered in here. She Mom, had a question. Caleb's eating Chex Mix. What do I do? Yeah, that's not really. <laughs> so in violation of the emergency sign on my door, I have procured mystery guest. Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Hadara Lapidus, daughter of the great Lauren Lapidus. <laughs> what, wow. Wait, hang on. I want an intro, too. Of the fabulous, precious Peter Berg. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and this concludes our podcast. <laughs> so, Hadara, tell us, um, do you remember what Hebrew month we're in now? Um, the Hebrew month? Elul. That's right. What do we do during Elul? We get ready for Shoshana, and it's the start of school. Yes. So, all right. So, those are two good things to start with. Let's 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 start with the start of school. So, ha- are you excited? Oh, very. We start on Monday. Um, Rabbi Berg, how is uh, how's the start of school in your house? You got three kids at school. We have. Yep. Yeah, we are at school. Um, we are. Um, learning more than we did when we were not in school, I think. Um, and everybody's happier socially, but, um, you know, we're all very careful with masks, that's for sure. Yeah, we just ordered some new masks. Oh, yeah. What are you most smoke, smoking? What are you most looking forward to for school? I'm really looking forward to being with the new kids, some new kids in my class, because last year we were just with people that for, like, yeah. More than 100 days, which was kind of a pain. So I'm yeah. excited to be social again. That it's great to be social again. I, I'm glad you get to do it because not everybody gets to do it. It's funny, you know, Hadara, there was this whole idea of cat rabbis and dog rabbis. Rabbi Reeves once taught us this. And cat rabbis are like the introverted ones who, when they're not around people, just curl up by themselves. And dog rabbis just love being social. And I feel like even though you're the daughter of a cat rabbi, maybe you're a little bit of a dog person. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good though. It's good to be social and to like reach out to, um, I bet you're the kind of person that like when someone new comes, you kind of reach out to them and welcome them and make them feel good. Rabbi Peter, are you a dad, a dog cat? So no, I actually gave a sermon and said that I was a dog rabbi. But you want to hear something strange? I think in COVID, I have become a little more like a cat. Wow, that, very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Two I think yows in a rough. Well, yeah. I mean, you discovered your inner introvert. I did. And like, I guess when you're stuck inside all the time, you're like, all right, this, 
parts of this are okay. Parts of this are great. I mean, it's so interesting. Like I love on my day off, I try not to talk to anybody. <laughs> so, no, so now no. I'm both, but I'm, I'm actually allergic to cats. So I can't be like really a cat person, but, but I, I, um, but I am, um, I'm a little of both. Adara, what are you um, most looking forward to with Rosh Hashanah? And then we'll let you go back to torture. I am looking forward to apologizing. Oh, wait. Starting fresh to be, to not be the devil of Caleb's life and to be a better sister and eat apples and honey. Those are so, th those are like, you just said something really important. I'm so glad we got that all recorded. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only unfortunate part is that your mom can play it back for you at any at any given moment. Oh, I will. I will. All right. We'll say goodbye and off you go. Goodbye. No, it was so great. Goodbye, goodbye, cats. Meow. Goodbye. <laughs> Close the door behind you. Well, in case you're wondering what uh, working from home sounds like in those few last precious days before school. <laughs> but I just want to say that 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 you know you know there we've always believed that there's like great insight from kids and right like she said some really profound things in those well it's interesting when people say so this happens a lot um what's your favorite holiday and they're like it sounds so crazy but i really like yom kippur yeah and if you think about it it's because it is very freeing to know that we're going to have a chance to focus on all the things we want to do better get all those apologies out like unload our baggage and then start fresh and that usually lasts for me at least until the drive home assuming yeah. traffic isn't bad there but, there are great like uh, hasidic stories that talk about yom kippur as being a joyous day and like we, we don't think of it that way we think of it as being this solemn difficult day which there is a solemnness you know th those attributes are there but it act if you think about it it is joyful if if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing there's some there's some joy in that and you know, Rosh Hashanah, it's interesting because Rosh Hashanah like primes the pump for Yom Kippur, if you think yeah. about it. Because Rosh Hashanah, it's lovely. We come to services, we sound the shofar, we eat apples and honey. But Yom Kippur being the whole day takes on an arc that you you just can't achieve that same investment in Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Rosh Hashanah so, is like the start of school and then Yom Kippur is the first test. Yeah. <laughs> So you want to hear something interesting about Elul because we're talking about getting ready for the holidays. So um, as you you well know, because you officiated funerals like I do and weddings like I do, um, often people come up to us after life cycle events and say, you know, they would never been to a Jewish life cycle event and say, wow, I really love this and how you did that. And I've never seen that before. So uh, um, a minister friend of mine recently said to me, uh, I really love Elul. Like, I love what you do with Elul. I wish our holidays had that kind of level of preparation for it. And, and you know, you know, I always just take it for granted that we spend a month getting ready for a month yeah. of holidays. And it's so personalized because I guess there's, you know, Advent and Lent, but it's, um, you know, with Elul, it's really a spiritual time. I'm going to be yeah. talking, um, actually, I think my sermon for this Shabbat is going to be about the shofar, because I think for a lot of people, we imagine it just as a Rosh Hashanah ritual, maybe at the end of Yom Kippur. But the truth of it is, we could be sounding it every single day except for Shabbat. In fact, our shofar are on the living room ottoman, so um, they can be blown at any time, which um, is going to be 
awesome at the start of school. I plan to use it to wake up the house um, because that's, great. that's what rabbi nerds do. Um, but it is the whole idea is that we're supposed to be in constant like awareness that the year is ending um, and to feel that sense of urgency. And I think that it's hard to sustain a sense of the urgency of time. We, we feel it after a funeral. We feel it after certain things. But Elul says, no, you got to hold on to it for at least a month. And then with Yom Kippur, you know, so 40 days of, of uh, spiritual urgency. Do you, do you, so setting the shofar is of course one thing you can do. Another thing I like to do, and I'd love to hear what some of your other practices are. Um, I, I, um, I have a few books that are Elul books for, you know, lack of a better name. And, you know, each one has a very short reading or a psalm or a poem or just something to like center yourself for that day. And um, it takes such a short amount of time to do it. I find it to be really, like, really meaningful. And some of them I've been doing for years, so I just read it over and over again. Nice. But I, it's a great, it's a really, like, grounding practice for me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll pick up the Alan Liu book. Um, yeah. This is real and you are unprepared. Um, this year, uh, I was given a prompt in the writing circle I did um, to write a traveler's prayer for Elul which is interesting. So I'm like coming back to that prompt a little bit because it's changing. As, you mean, as, you mean the, like imagining Elul as a, as a, as a journey, journey? Yeah. So, uh, I, which was just a, a way I hadn't thought about it before. And, yeah. um, and I also love, I write my high holy sermon in a way that I don't write anything else. You know, I sit with um, a blank sheet of paper and a sharpened pencil and I just start like kind of writing out different ideas and try to figure out what goes together. And I really just give myself the space to, to sketch almost in a way that um, I don't approach any other writing like that. So it, it has a ritual quality to it. Music or no music? Um, music, but um, not high holiday music. So um, I have um, a, like a classical music playlist. That's that what I do. I, I pull out for, for really intense times because too much quiet freaks me out. I grew up yeah. in a home where there was always noise. I like do, I, if it's too quiet, I get very distracted. <laughs> and you can't, you can't have words because that's distracting. So I, I do the same thing. It is funny that, so I listen to classical music when I write those kinds of sermons. And um, it, like, it just, it, it, yeah, drowns out the outside, but I, I also just find it really inspiring. Yeah, I, I think there's also, um, I need something that um, contrasts with the tuning of the organ and the piano that happens right before. And then, you know, when our organist comes in and the rehearsals start, and so you hear Shema Kolenu and Avinu Malkenu and Kol Nidre, and there's a little bit of like, beep, it's coming, it's coming, it's soon. <laughs> Also, what everybody doesn't know is that when someone rings the doorbell at the temple, it rings in everybody's office. That's true. So, true. so you know, we have to hear that do 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 thing. And right. that so is the, if, we, if the door remains locked, it's because nobody wanted to come let you in. Right. <laughs> but that noise is like that. That's a that's a conversation. You know. I, it's so interesting, you know, for the high holy days, and I think this is where, dear listeners, um, since you're not writing sermons, we will we will make this relevant for you as well. Um, there is a lot of pressure on the high holy days, is like getting ready and 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 special food and special service attendance and all of this. 
But at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like it's not rocket science. And if we only make our Jewish experience about the high holy days, we're missing an opportunity for all kinds of joy and interaction on a smaller scale. Like the high holidays are beautiful, but part of what makes them special is the music is less familiar because it's very set to that time. And, you know, there's more people and, and there's more formality. If you come on a Shabbat service, it, it's going to be um, accessible in a different way. And Sukkot, the holiday that comes right after Yom Kippur that everybody likes to sometimes forget about, is supposed to be a time of fun. And so who wouldn't like a little time of fun after Yom Kippur? So, Absolutely. Um, so in the preparations, you know, I think it's, in my mind, on the one hand, Elul is great, but I also try to remember that sometimes it's about the journey, not the destination. And, and Yom Kippur, and Rosh Hashanah, like, I'll make them meaningful, the sermons will get written, but... It does not have to be a transcendent experience every year. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I learned that actually the year I was pregnant with Caleb. So I was seven months pregnant and the high holy days were coming. And it was just, it was like all so exhausting. And I remember thinking it will just have to be good enough this year. Like I can't, I can I, only bring myself to this moment. And, and it and was it, very freeing. Yeah. The other thing I think that's freeing is that people take different moments at, at different and 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 that's what they take with them and you know for some for some people it's sounding the shofar and you know I remember one year I read a poem you know that somebody else wrote and that for them was the highlight of the whole thing it was somebody else's poem and that's okay you know it's like it's whatever touches you and moves you and there are a lot of people who with the new prayer book um the mafsor that you helped edit um, the poetry in there, there's more in there than we can go through in any service. And so, so many people tell me that they, they'll see something and they'll say, oh, you know, can I get a copy or whatever? And now I think people realize they can just sneak out their cell phone and take a picture. Right. Um, but a lot of people are inspired by the readings in a way that doesn't happen often. Which is you know, great. You know, someone once said, said to me, um, you know, um, well, I wasn't listening to that prayer because I was reading what was in the margins. And I said, that's great. Like, you know, that's what they're there for. Get lost, you know, that's great. It's funny that they would admit such a thing. Yeah. I think, you know, this is also just as an aside, it amazes me what people think we know just because we're the rabbis at the pulpit. Like, no, we don't know that you fell asleep. I mean, sometimes we do, but not usually. And no, we didn't know that you weren't paying attention because like, you might think all eyes are on you, but it's not. <laughs> um, I guess it's part of the theme of atonement. All right. You know, we we got a question um, about uh, whether this is truly the busiest season of the year. And I'm interested in whether you want to weigh in. Do you consider so, this the busiest season of the year? So I, I always get, the, my, I get this question all the time and I answer it two ways. I say we have two tax seasons. One is in the fall with with the school school starting WLE BC starting WLC starting and all the fall holidays that's season number one and season number two is at the end of the quote academic year which is basically the entire month of May every single organization in town has a rubber chicken dinner that we go to um, so it's dinners all the time and we're often giving the blessings the invocations and at those. We have, of course, confirmation, adult B'nai mitzvah, um, uh, the annual meeting. So, you know, for me, there it's it's 
looking at an academic year, it's really September and May that are the two busiest. I don't know what you think. I, I would fully agree with the addition that the two weeks after oh, the yeah. days are horrible. And November often really stinks. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because um, I once had a colleague who's um, uh, a Christian colleague who said, oh, you know, I know Hanukkah's coming up, so I don't want to like add any more to your plate. And I was like, oh, bring it. I said, Hanukkah's yeah. great. Everybody's slowing down. Everybody's looking to winter break. Nobody's really asking for much. Um, just don't call right before Rosh Hashanah. Um, but again, it's the perception of things and everybody leaves us alone because they know the high holy days, but then it's all waiting for us. Like I've got um, two weddings, five B'nai Mitzvah, in October, and that's just what I know is coming. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people ask, you know, are there any downtimes? And, you know, there, there are very few because if you think about it, you know, Thanksgiving, yes, we're off on, you know, the Thursday of Thanksgiving, but there's a service that Friday. There's usually, um, you know, an unveiling and, you know, because people are in town and a baby naming because people are in town. And um, so, you know, I would say, the things you can count on for downtown might be uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks in July and um, December 20th, you know, like that week. Yeah. Last those week are, of the year. Yeah. Those Although are, often a lot of funerals that week. Yeah, uh, right. But, but yes, I, I would agree. Otherwise it, it doesn't really stop. No, that's, that's why my hair is getting sparkly. <laughs> um, so another question was, what are we cooking? Because, um, you know, we, we talked about cooking in our creativity episode. What are we cooking for holiday meals? Because, um, of course, we know that on the holidays, there's home observance as well. So any favorite Rosh Hashanah foods? Or so, it's or an interesting question. We haven't talked about it yet in our house. So I, I have to I have to be careful what I say, because there are other people in the household who may disagree. But um, my my fam, I have a feeling if you ask my kid, if, I, if if we polled the kids, they would say we want salmon, potatoes, and broccoli. That is their like favorite. That's what I'm having for dinner tonight. That's perfect. Yeah. What do we have for dinner? Like three nights a week. <laughs> but okay. we try to. So the challenge then is like if that's what everybody loves, how do you how do you make it special for the holidays? So we always we would try a, a different kind of uh sauce or or you know try to you know there's actually a lot you can do with potatoes that like to make them different so um one of the kids likes to um, use different fresh herbs and experiment with that and so i think it's about um you know we don't we don't always try to like dig up some recipe that we've never seen before we just try to like spice up the stuff that we know the five of us like which is no easy task nice nice we um I don't know. There's always a little bit of trying to figure it out because the other Rabbi Lapidus lead services at Emory and then I'm at Temple and then the kids are in the mix. So um, I wouldn't say this is always our best cooking. We then get very excited for Sukkot, but we've come to a couple traditions. One is uh, we have apple pie on Rosh Hashanah because nice. apples, I make a killer apple pie. And now because Rosh Hashanah, you know, people are often in September and it was my dad's birthday in September. So um, we would often make that for his birthday. And so it sort of like fits in the, the apples and honey theme. So apple pie is one. And then um, sometimes we have done pizza on Rosh Hashanah 
because, so I make my pizza from scratch, but sometimes we order in, uh, but it's round. And, you know, after, like there are some years, I I think it started maybe three years ago and we got to first night Rosh Hashanah and we realized between the two rabbis, we had led like eight services. (laughs) And we're just like, it's pizza. (laughs) Just eat anything. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I had this idea that I haven't told anyone in the family yet. They won't even know what it is. And I remember my grandfather and my father eating it when, when, I, when I was a kid. And, and so I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but I, I know it's a, it's a thumbs so down. Right I know it's a thumbs down. I was thinking of starting with the appetizer of borscht. <laughs> <laughs> like it's actually good. Uh, it's funny on so many levels um it's a cold soup it's a cold soup um it's probably not good for my kidney stones but but that's i mean so i as you know i know you don't like borscht no this is an amazing story um so i i know we're gonna have to wrap up soon but i'm gonna i'm gonna tell this without using names so um when we first arrived um yes you and I were both invited to a congregant's home yes, we for were. lunch. Yes, um, we I, I got, I snagged an invite because we were both new and, um, and they served as the first course, a bowl of purple soup with some, some cream in the middle. And I had remembered from my professor, Barry Kogan in Cincinnati, when we were at his home for dinner, they served strawberry soup and it looked exactly that way. So I took a spoonful and was quite shocked by what I tasted instead. <laughs> and then I remember like just sort of swirling the spoon and you were like, do you not like this? And I said, I don't eat beets. And you were like, oh dear. <laughs> I just kept swirling. I was, I was like thinking about saving you and just eating it for you. But, <laughs> I, but I also like, there's, there's only so much, that you only so much borscht one can eat, you know. <laughs> so, <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> but just it's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, well, borscht is definitely going back to like your Russian roots. Yeah, but um, I knew I knew you were thumbs downing it. But what I, I wonder what my family will think. Your family seems adventuresome enough. I mean, I I applaud the cold and prepared yeah. in advance. I mean, we are not a vegetarian household, so there will be matzo ball soup in our house. Yeah. Um, we save like chicken necks through, like we keep them in the freezer and then we'll, we'll make the soup um, beforehand. Um, you know, it's interesting, like the cooking, I've come to realize, and I had to make peace with this as a two rabbi household at the holidays, is that our meals are not picture perfect in that first, you know, like it's more about being together yeah. And so whatever we eat, it's about who we're with. And I do look forward to when COVID slows down and we can actually go back to like having people in our home. And um, yeah. there's just, there's something fun about that. We usually have a, a, you know, clergy meal together at the holidays, which of course we're not doing this year for, for every obvious reason. Um, and, you know, look forward to being able to do those kinds of things. Yeah, it's uh, it's good times, good times. Well, on that happy note, I think we have managed to, we talked about Elul and then some and had a mystery guest, but no dog. So um, so maybe- And, um, yeah. and maybe someone will go home and look up borscht and see what we're talking about. 
Well, I'm worried actually that I'm going to get a whole bunch of emails about why I should try it again or how I just must have had a bad version. But if you're lucky, maybe someone will just bring you some. Yeah. I mean, my dad used to eat it like out of, you know, like from the supermarket. Like, I think I, like homemade, <laughs> it's got to be homemade. He used, I remember it came, it looked like one of those old glass milk bottles, but it was borscht. <laughs> I mean, it is an odd color. I always get nervous about foods that can stain you. Yeah. I just start to wonder about the wisdom of putting that in one's body. But yeah. I, more power to you, Rabbi Berg. I, I, Lechaim, you know, <laughs> whatever's going to get you through. Eat, eat and be well. <laughs> oh my. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast from the temple, where we inspire lives and transform our world.